I'm uh, Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. Good morning, beloved. How's everybody? Everybody doing okay? It's a, kind of one of those damp mornings, but we got alive here with some wonderful worship and praise. So uh, in a couple weeks, we're going to be starting a new series uh, titled Wake Up, and the Bible reading plans are, of course, on our, our app and on the uh, website, and then also we have hard copies outside the doors here, and so the, the readings will be beginning on uh, December 28th. I want to ask you a question, do you like to wait? <laughs> I heard about a pastor who had a button and a cough drop in his pocket and he would pop a cough drop in to just kind of suck on while he preached and usually it was about the time that uh, he would preach the, the cough drop would be done but he accidentally put the button in his mouth he got through the gospel of Matthew Mark and Luke before people started to be walk out <laughs> so, talk about waiting I won't make you late to wait that long. I was waiting in a line at Lowe's, uh, pretty fairly long line. I was there to get some, actually get some Christmas lights. And um, I was checking my emails on my phone, and I had looked down, and, you know, they had the, you know, how we have the little dots that keep you six feet apart. And I didn't know that maybe a couple people had already moved up to the cashier, and this lady behind me said, uh, excuse me, sir, the cashier is ready for you, and I never want to be one of those guys, but that day I became one of those guys, and so as I was uh, just writing this message throughout the week, I, I took note of waiting, and I found out that I'm a creeper, and uh, what that means is when you come to a stoplight, and it's red, and you think if you just kind of roll forward a little bit, that the light will change green, so I want to tell you that I'm a creeper. I'm getting shots for that, so anyway, I hope that that helps. It's tough to wait. Sometimes, what do you do with yourself while you're waiting? No matter how old you are, it is very difficult waiting. I can't imagine being a kid right now because I went nuts right after I got out of school waiting for Christmas morn. And to make things even worse, my mom and dad would have my three brothers and I wait at the top of the steps and we would call down them, come on, we want Christmas to come on that morning, come on. And they would just hold, hold, hold. And finally, the waiting was over. Advent's a season of waiting. All humanity is waiting whether they know it or not. We know it as Christians, don't we? That we're waiting. We're in the in-between time. Advent, when he came as a baby and we gather and worship around the manger and then also his second advent when he returns in the second coming and so today I want to focus on some of the waiting that can take place and really look at Wesley's hymn come thou long expected Jesus to help us understand a little bit more in depth about why Jesus Christ came and a character in the Bible that I think was an endearing waiting saint so we're going to focus on the verse of Wesley. We just sang it. Eric did a great job stopping so we can focus on that. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Charles used the word consolation very strategically to communicate that Israel needed comfort. 
They needed to hear tidings of hope for a positive future. They were a nation waiting for a savior. Long ago, God promised to the Israelites that they would be a great nation. Their cultural identity and identity as a people was tied to that special relationship with Yahweh. He rescued them from slavery in so many ways and out of the wilderness and conquered many numerous enemies. And he promised that through them, he was going to establish his kingdom on earth. Yet when the Babylonians besieged their capital, they took the Israelites captive. And that's what we're going to look at today as Isaiah prophesies about that. And their worldview, and Isaiah saw it too, that their defeat was God's defeat. As though Yahweh did not conquer the Babylonians. And it was because of Israelites' Israelites' sin was too much. Had he abandoned them, they, they pleaded, they thought. And to get this soul-aching language within Isaiah, you get to a chapter that's one of the amazing jewels. There's so many jewels in this chapter, chapter 40. It's a wave of comfort that breaks through to this chapter. And if you read it, and I encourage you to do that when you get home, it's just one of those incredible, and you get so many quotes out of it in the New Testament. The chapter proclaims the coming of a Savior who will bring hope and restoration. And it begins this way. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord double all her sins. And then Isaiah prophetically announces these words. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And we know that these are the words of John the Baptist, that he was having people preparing to receive the Savior. He was saying, prepare for this one to come to enter into a deeper place in your soul and in your life. Get life right, he said, so God can usher in spiritual blessings. And so God wants us to prepare, and we see it in these words, in the waiting, in the now. So that we can fully receive all that God has to offer. And one of those things that God has to offer is hope. In the darkest time in their history to a people who had lost everything, God was promising comfort and hope. For Christians, hope is is a word that is so vital to our language and should be on the, the tip of our tongue and the part of the heartbeat in us. And it's not a wishy washy wishing type of hope. Or like, I hope that there are Christmas lights at Lowe's, or I hope my car doesn't run out of gas. You can use, that's not how we use hope as Christians. It's always a noun and a verb in our vocabulary. It's solid. It's action-based. Hope is the anticipation of the fulfillment of God's promises. So it's never used as an adjective or adverb within us and out from us. The Bible hope is real. It's real because this God is a God of hope and keeps his promises and he is faithful and he will show us hope all the time. The hope we have as Christians, like I said, is not wishing. It's God-grounded and, and God-directed and, and God-sustained. Why? Because God is a God of hope. And don't we need hope right now? Don't we? 
We do. Hope is about waiting in expectation. Hope is about doing the right things and preparing the right way while we are waiting. And that could be a problem for most of us, can't it? We get distracted or our expectations are not met as we hoped. We feel things should be a certain way, but it doesn't often turn out that way. Even our expectations for Christmas don't always turn out how we hope. Especially this year, man. You know, I, told, I was telling the youth last week, I did the youth lesson, and I said, you know what? This might seem like a bummer, possible bummer of a Christmas, but it could be the best Christmas that you've ever experienced. Why? Because the expectation of God's hope and promises showing up in our lives. It makes waiting so much better. You see, God's chosen people struggle with the waiting. As far back as Moses, God made a promise of the Messiah. And through the scripture, there were reverberations of a savior. And they waited and they waited and they waited. 400 years, the prophets had predicted the coming of the Messiah king. Who seemed that he would usher in a reign of peace and conquer an empire of Rome. And to put things right again. Yet despite all these promises, it just didn't seem like this was going to come true. It did not happen. And they found that there was no consolation. They found at times they didn't really think that there was any hope in their lives. So then these questions seem to come out from the scriptures. And it really is applicable to our life right now. How do we deal with the waiting? How do we deal with the difference between our expectations and reality? How, between how things are and how things we hope would be. How do, what do we do also in the waiting? And how do we wait on God? There's this wonderful, wonderful character in the Bible, Simeon. He's in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. And I, I really see Simeon as the saint of waiting. <laughs> Check this out. He's, you'll see it up there on the, on the screen. On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child... He was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. And when the time for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as is it written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and then offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. You see, these are very standard Jewish practices along with having a baby, especially a male baby, circumcision, offering, and that's what Mary and Joseph did, a poor person's offering. Every firstborn male is consecrated then to the Lord. And Luke is intentional saying that this was obedience that Mary and Joseph were doing, were doing intentionally to the Jewish rules. Jewish rules. And so Mary and Joseph were practicing like Jews who love God. It's kind of like a, some parents coming to the church and saying, we want our baby baptized and brought into the family because we love him or her, and we want him to experience the community of love here in the church. So here they are. They're in the temple of Jerusalem in the midst of the crowd, and these Jewish people are, are approached by this man named Simeon. And in verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. 
He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. You see, Simeon was one of these guys that just was fully obedient and had that joyful obedience to the Lord as he fulfilled his duty. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he is waiting. He's looking while he's waiting as well. He's keeping watch for the Messiah. He's a man of hope, and he knows he will see with his own fleshly eyes the Messiah. And so he waits, and he waits, and he waits. We don't know how long he waited or even how old Simeon was, but he did not leave his post while waiting. God promised, and Simeon waits it out. He would be considered steadfast. He's, a, he's in this posture of waiting and watching. Simeon's one of those guys, you know, who, who say, I heard a word from the Lord, and I'm going to follow and do what I heard. There's no cynicism in him. He's steadfast as the years roll on, and his hope remains very, very solid. He keeps vigilant, looking for the Messiah. As a matter of fact, probably hyper-vigilant. Think about it. Every day, he got up expecting. Day in, day out, got up expecting. He didn't see the Messiah. He could have hit the snooze snooze button on the alarm, but he didn't sleep in. He went constantly trusting in the promise of God, scanning the horizon, constantly scanning the crowd for that child. Is it him? Is it him? Is it him? He would anticipate, anticipate. And Simeon has taken this active stance of waiting on God to deliver his promise. You know, when our kids were preschoolers, we adopted a dog, and her name was Gracie. We called her that because when we got her out of the Montgomery in not Montgomery in <laughs> a race tape, Montgomery County uh, dog shelter, um, we found out from one of the workers there that she was going to be anesthetized a day later. So we named her Gracie. She was a mild-mannered sweetheart, half Border Collie, half Australian Shepherd. She was so smart. She had one blue eye and one brown eye, and she would hang out at the dinner table, and she would wait patiently for a scrap to fall, to fall. And she would never try to steal food like our current dogs do, puppies. She would hang out. But she also was very, very intentional when you had a dog treat. Um, she would sit. You'd say sit, and she would look up, and she would stare at that dog treat. Not a, not a bottle cap. She would just wait and wait. She would literally sit there for as long as you held it. Wait, wait. And then when you dropped it, she would scarf it up. She was so polite. Everyone of Kim's family and my family says that Gracie was the best dog in the Coleman and Schindler household ever. <laughs> she, she lived for over 17 years. Her posture was like that of Simeon, active, watchful, obedient, hopeful, waiting, knowing when the word is spoken, spoken, the blessing will come through. I want to ask you some questions. What are you waiting on? Where in your life is God calling you to be obedient 
and steadfast, especially in the midst of circumstances, especially in the midst of heartache and pain. I believe God, God wants us to wait well and intentionally trust scanning the horizon of our lives for his promises to show up and bless us. I believe as we draw closer to God, God's own spirit enables us to trust, be patient, and hopeful while we wait. Simeon was deemed a righteous man, and I believe he was, like I said, the saint of waiting. Well, let's look what happens when this righteous man actually lays his eyes on the holy family. Take a look at it up here, on, starting with verse 27. Moved by the spirit, he went to the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of all your people Israel. You know, if you'd have been following Simeon that day, and you'd have been observing him, you'd have seen him do the same thing over and over again that he did day in and day out. However, after a while, you would have saw him forget the dignity of his years, and he sprinted toward this couple holding a baby. Why? Because he was tuned in to the leading and promptings of the Holy Spirit. He was waiting, and God was faithful. And in that moment, God answered his prayer in the waiting. There he is! Go! And he ran. Can you imagine Simeon going over to Mo, Mo, uh, Joseph and Mary and, and pulling Jesus right out of their arms? That would be really weird today. And he begins singing. Maybe you would too if, you, if that happened to you. Maybe he wrote down this song quoted in the scriptures with anticipation and put music to it and sang it all the time. And we have it right here in God's word. One of the things that's really cool is, is this song is now called N-U-N-C, Nucked Dementis, Dementis, which means now depart in Latin. That's the very first line of that song. Simeon sings over this child. It's like the Lion King. And he sings this in the face with this little baby looking down at him. Promise is here in the flesh. Here's what I'm waiting for. Here's the hope has arrived. He lifts him up. And this is not light. Did you catch the words? It's not light just for the Israelites. It is light for all. It says Gentiles in there. He's light and salvation for you and me. There's so much more here. And it goes beyond his expectations. You know, I thought about this. Why does Luke include this? Why does he include this in his story of the gospel? I really believe people, including uh, Simeon's family, knew that Simeon was waiting. I think word was out for years and years. There he is. He's still waiting with hope. <laughs> Maybe ta he was the talk of the town. Maybe he was a laughingstock in some ways. Maybe people thought, oh, he's one of those 
crazy prophets. But Simeon, he heard God's word and he waited on it and he got to proclaim what this baby was all about. And somehow he got more than what he was waiting for. More than what he knew about the Savior that was prophesied by Isaiah. He proclaimed that, the best, that, like I said, that this is wellness, this is wholeness for everyone in the history of all time. God resolved his waiting and came through flying colors. Simeon knew another promise from Isaiah 40, 31, and I believe it sustained his waiting. Here's another jewel of a quote out of Isaiah 40. But those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, salvation in Jesus Christ strengthens us in the waiting, my friends. And Simeon's an awesome example of that. Salvation in Jesus Christ not only strengthens us, it consoles, it gives comfort. It brings a salvation of hope in our lives. And we need that right now, don't we? I know I do. Right? We do. Hope like we have never seen before. And we can take hope that Christ came at Christmas so that we can have a relationship with God in the now. Right now. No waiting. We can take hope that Jesus can come into our hearts when we ask. And we can experience the benefits of forgiveness of sin, freedom from shame, healing from our brokenness, and consolation and strength in the life journey. You know, I th- when Charles Wesley wrote that song, or that hymn, Come Now Long Expected Jesus, England was in a struggle. It was in a bugger. <laughs> Wesley was surrounded by scenes of hopelessness and orphans and poverty. 18th century England was wrecked with weak religion, rampant sin, alcoholism, very frequent callous indifference in the suffering of the lower classes. As Simeon praised God, he saw the first advent of Christ. And I think that that Simeon and Wesley came together and they saw this and they understood it completely. That strength and consolation and hope in the midst of trials and pain was there and given unto us through our Savior. We can take hope that God will be with us in our waiting and completely resolve, like Simeon, what we're waiting for him to do and show up for. So one last point, ha, You thought that this sermon was almost over. You have to wait a little bit more. Just a minute. I want you to see one more thing in this passage. Simeon doesn't finish there. And he gives some pretty pretty hard words for Mary to swallow. It's a word to them. Look at verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. What does this mean? Simeon gives Mary some information that she didn't hear before the conception. She didn't hear that when the angels proclaimed this. Their baby boy, Jesus, would be a point of contention and not universal acceptance. 
it would become very controversial. The most controversial person in the world. His teaching would be uh, tough to follow. But people will rise, I believe, to abundant life and salvation and wellness and healing through him or will fall into meaninglessness. And Jesus also knows our hearts. The triune God knows us completely. Jesus, Simeon says, would become a litmus test for the people before God. People would either accept or ignore him based on how people responded to Christ, either faith or rejection. Their true colors in God would come, become, and be made visible. You see, Simeon is alluding here to the cross of what Jesus Christ would walk to so that his life would be poured out and that would feel like a piercing through the soul of Mary. So what do we do with this? Will we embrace the Savior and Lord? Will we trust in his promise to strengthen and comfort us, to restore us, his people, even in the waiting? Or will maybe we'll trust in ourselves to do it on our own? Or to keep hoping in something that will disappoint us and ultimately fail us? Some of us here today have a lot of heartache Things have not turned out the way we hoped for. Like England and Israel struggle, we all struggle with a lack of hope, and we need comfort completely. Maybe we've waited for change. Maybe we've waited for abundant life. Maybe we relied on the wrong sources in the now. Today, Simeon and Charles shows us that we can choose to trust in God. We can choose to be steadfast in him and be hopeful in him and be strengthened by him in his own spirit and we'll find strength and hope that is eternal and gives us consolation. Our consolation has arrived in Jesus Christ. He's the only answer to our hope, our salvation. We can embrace him by inviting him into our lives right now. And he wants to forgive us and guide us and give us the rest and give us the comfort and consolation that we can receive by his spirit. You know what? You'll find so many other things as well. You'll find light and truth and life and forgiveness of your sin, freedom from guilt, healing for your broken heart. And that resolution comes through him and his ministry and the cross and his resurrection and ascending of his own spirit. Believe it or not, for five days till Christmas, that baby at Bethlehem was born on a cross for you, and he died and was rose again to heal us, to restore us, and to give us a hope that is everlasting. Will you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, there's no time than now and to proclaim your salvation, and the claim salvation in you in the now. God, hear our petition as we give our lives to you. You are our Savior. And may we, like Simeon, wait, hopeful, expecting for you to do incredible things in us and through us through the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Heal our hearts in the midst of what we're going through right now in the circumstances and heartache and pain, maybe from this COVID or maybe from a relationship or maybe consolation through addiction and struggle. God, you, you show us in the Bible.
what you can do and you continue to do it, do it again. We love you and we thank you for your personal ministry unto us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.